This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I was joined by Nanzo Scoop, who has a top 10 valued gallery according to So Rare Data. According to So Rare Data, he's the ninth largest gallery on So Rare. He has 30 plus tournament wins, 100 plus podiums in just over a year, and he's a crypto OG since 2013. We discussed loads of stuff. I had my first ever win on SO5. We talked about that and the reward. We talked about the new game lobby, the baseball, the women's football again, very briefly. We know we talked about it last week. Lots of different things that are happening in the So Rare universe this week um, all Nanzo's thoughts I think it's his first time appearing in any sort of so rare content so it was very exciting to get him um, we answered some of your questions played the new revamped 137 game enjoy the episode please do subscribe if you are into this if you love it Nanzo Scoop what is happening? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, you, I'll just give you a, a brief sort of intro uh, and then let you give us a wee spiel and then we'll get talking about all the issues in the world and solving all the problems. But um, you are Nanzo Scoop. You've been on the platform, I suppose. I'm going to call you a boomer. You got in just after the kind of Gary V boomer during it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you're, uh, according to So Rare Data, I think you're... You're the ninth biggest gallery according to So Rare Data, so you're a top ten gallery. I'm going to call you a whale, and uh, yeah, do you want to, You're a bit of a crypto OG. Do you want to give us a, a brief synopsis of your story, and then we'll get stuck in? Yeah. So um, yeah, came from humble beginnings. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm from East London originally. Uh, typical working class background, East London. Um, however, I was a bit of an academic, so I ended up going to study law, do a law degree. Um, which led me into uh, a career, I guess, in um, one of the broadcasters, big broadcasters in the UK, where um, I did the contracts. So I worked in their legal and business affairs department, and I was there for a long time, almost 20 years. So like, I think 17, 18 years. Um, and then in 2013, towards the end of 2013, I discovered Bitcoin. I think it was on a news, a little news bulletin where it'd gone to a thousand dollars at the time and everybody was going a little bit crazy about it. And I think <laughs> I went, I went a little bit crazier than others and actually dived down the rabbit hole and just found a world of cryptos and altcoins and Bitcoin threads. And mm. so, yeah, at that time it was kind of a very relatively small market cap and um, a bit of a geeky endeavor and then obviously in 2017 it blew up big time and it was at that point that um about a year after that i decided to quit the day job and focus full-time crypto since then that's amazing um, yeah yeah so nfts kind of comes with the territories kind of when you hear about crypto you kind of mm-hmm. fall into nfts and i think i fell in oh was it towards the end of, i want to say towards the end of 2020 um I fell into kind of NFTs and mainly kind of crypto art type thing. And my thesis was quite simple. You know, you have the traditional art market and then you've got the crypto art market, which seemed like a a better way of having provenance and being able to kind of prove origin of a, um, of a piece of work. And to my mind, um, I saw that if you were to look at for the next Picasso, they would more likely be a digital artist than, or, 
than a kind of on canvas artist. So, you know, how would you then store that value? And it seemed like, you know, NFTs made sense. Mm. I thought, okay, let me just speculate in a few of these pieces of NFTs. And my idea was buy now, let's come back in 10 years, let's see if it's worth something or worth mm. nothing. And, and, and that was the kind of play. Um, and then when I found so rare, um, I took a similar type approach initially. It was, okay, let me just grab a couple of these, maybe grab a couple of uniques, buy them, um, come back in five years time. And uh, if I like it, or if it's gone up in value, then great. If not, then maybe I can get my money back or some money back. Um, mm. However, you then get caught by the bug of um, SO5. (laughs) (laughs) And as soon as you get your head around what SO5 is, it's like the biggest addiction there is. So, um, yeah, I got caught by the SO5 bug. Caught by that bug. And that bug's been going pretty well for you, it has to be said. Did you say, was it 100 podiums and 30 wins or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bear in mind that I do play all divisions. So... Mm. um, and I guess that's kind of how hard I've been bitten because, um, yeah, I just, I just enjoy, I enjoy the competition. I think more, more than anything, you know, I like to, you know, like to think that, I, uh, I know a bit about football and mm. I like, I like to grind and I like that grind of, you know, trying to avoid your DMPs, searching out players and, and all the stuff that everybody kind of hates. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, and I'd say with a gallery the size of yours, like, you know, and as you say, entering all divisions across the uniques, across super rares, rares, limiteds, everything, there, there is a, there's a lot of research to be done and a lot to stay on top of. Um, yeah. Would you be, how many hours a week do you think you'd be putting in the so rare at the minute? Uh, it's, a, it's probably like a part-time job, to be fair. Yeah, but it's a uh, hot, it's fun as well, though. I it's suppose. fun, and that's the thing, it doesn't feel like work, you know, you just kind of, you just wail away the hours. I mean, I try and be strict and say, you know, Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings is a good time to kind of mm. your lineups and then just after 11, work on your lineups for the next game week. So that's kind of the core time. And then mm. outside those times, it's just kind of buying and selling, scouting, watching football. And mm. that's kind of how it kind of, kind of works. So I've got time to, to spend with a family occasionally. Yeah, occasionally, yeah. I see, um, so a couple of quick questions. You have, your Hall of Fame is the uniques of Teo Hernandez, who scored an absolute belter, I'd say you were buzzing, at the weekend. Uh, Pierre Kalulu, who's been amazing this year. Hopefully he isn't rotated next year. Uh, I've heard Batman's coming, maybe you can tell me more. Sandro Tanali, baller. Ben Asser, um, who maybe hasn't done as much as the other guys this season, but a lot of people are very bullish on him. Um, and Rafael Leai, who's been one of the breakout stars in Europe this year. That's the Hall of Fame. I asked yeah. you pre-recording, are you an AC Milan fan? You said no, and you said you'd save the story till we were recording, so I'm intrigued. I think for me, like that Hall of Fame kind of sums up how I look at Soren in many ways. You know, they're all kind of under 23. I'm not particularly for under 23s, but in terms of the prices that I've gotten for, I think they were they were steals, mm. and so I think that's a key part to Stowe. It's not just getting the cards; it's getting the cards for the right price, um, and also kind of having some synergy between the cards. Obviously, they're all AC Milan; they were all young, um, and if AC Milan does, they're all uniques. Um, so I can put them in under twenty. I can put them in under twenty three, or um, Champion Europe. If AC Milan does well, I'll, I'm more like more than likely do well. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you learn to love the club after. I mean, last time I had actually paid proper notice on on um, 
AC Milan, this will show my age, is when they had um, Rijkaard, Gullit and Van Basten in their team in the 80s. Um, that was the last time I actually paid any attention to AC Milan in a serious way. Um, so, so that kind yeah. of shows, shows my age. I am. Um, this is, can I just butt in and, yeah, and was- come at you with something? I... We're talking about AC Milan. I swear to God, this isn't scripted. If I could share my, I could share my screen with you, but Zoom's been playing around, so we won't chance it. There's 23 hours and 59 minutes and 15 seconds left on this because 45 seconds ago, as we speak, Roxy Sea Dog has sent me an offer for my Kalulu of okay. 0.62 ETH, which seems mad, right? Previous sale was 0.35, and Roxy Sea Dog has just rocked up. To in the last couple of days and bought four of them for 0.6 or more. Is that the rare, yeah? Yeah. Check out that graph. That's a very strange one. Why would Roxy come in that much above the floor? Because he's just, he just trying to sweep the floor. I think he is because he's literally came right in and now pushing this price up to 0.6 or so. Because I looked at that and I was like, that seems quite high. But now I'm like, I don't really want to sell my Kalulu. And I feel like, is there news or something? Does Roxy know something? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the news could be. I think he's he's in a, he's in a good space at the moment. He's he's playing regularly, centre back, mm. AC Milan. Um, I think he's just trying to push up the price. Uh, I, I think, think he's relative to other cards. He's probably that's probably I'd say that's probably the right value for him if he stays mm. in the first team. You know, and, that, and I guess that's that rumor around Botman as well. You know, if Botman comes yeah. in, it might get a bit, it might be more rotation, more of a rotation risk. Um, yeah, because Tamori's not going anywhere. But, I mean, Kalulu could be pushed out to right back, maybe, but then you're sort of benching Calabria, which, I don't know. Um, yeah. When when I look at this, though, like, if you look at Kalulu's scoring over the last however many weeks, the guy's just a machine. Even in a even in a, a game where they concede, albeit they've been in amazing form and they aren't actually conceding a lot. I mean, the, the AA game of Kalulu is insane. It's just greens for the last 10 games in a row. Dark greens at that as well. Couple of real peak scores. Um, anyway, Roxy's been told to go away. Roxy actually came from LAI yeah. as well, my super rare. Yeah, he looks like he's going AC Milan hard. I think the thing about AC Milan again, it's one of those things where you kind of everyone knows the players that you you want to get, like you like at this moment in time. I think the mm. secret is the players that are going to be hot in the next three or four months mm. uh, and getting those at the right price and getting those at a higher level can. And I think with the AC Milan one, I felt like I went in quite quite early because I don't know whether it's because they were bundles. You know, I got mm. initially I, I needed just a champion Europe uh, forward, um, a unique, and so I went for Liao, and I got him for under ten ETH. And to me, I was like, oh well, <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a bargain. And then a couple of weeks later, Teo came on it, and I got him for around ten ETH. And I thought, no, no, there's something wrong here. And actually, someone <laughs> came in. And basically offered me double for him. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Well, it's quite soon after I got him, so I felt you know that kind of slipped through the net. And then after that, I was like, well, you know what? I could build a nice little under twenty three stack if I get a few more mm. AC Milan uniques. So I just kept an eye on the bundles because you know what's so, so rare? Like once they they're onto a winner, they just keep releasing similar type <laughs> cards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just kept releasing week after week um, of um, AC Milan cards, and so I got all the way up to I think it was. Mike Mannion was next that I wanted. 
and I got into a real battle with um, with with Roxy. I think it was. Oh yeah. And uh, I think it's the most I ever bid on a card. I, I went up to twenty twenty six ETH. I was going to pay for him, but yeah, I, I couldn't compete with Roxy, so I, just, I let him have him. Yeah. But at that point, it made real sense for my gallery because I would have literally had a full stack AC Milan um, units, mm. uh, but I didn't get there. That one got through the net. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think Roxy at the minute seems to be going for AC Milan, you know, picking up a lot of AC Milan cards. And um, as I said, it came from LAI, has just came from a Kalulu. And I'm sort of tempted there looking at it going like, okay, this is a guy who definitely wants my AC Milan cards. And as much as I love my Liao, it's probably my best ever purchase. Um, if I could trade the re- Liao super rare, I maybe chuck in the Kalulu now. I wonder would he give me an Mbappe rare? Do you know? It's getting, it's, it's getting close though. It's getting yeah, yeah. close. Yeah. Here's one thing you need to think about though, is are they 2021, 2022 20, cards? Um, Your cards. My cards, let me see. 2021 2022 i should know this off the top of my head what leo is to be honest with you but i don't I think he's 2020 2021 he's 2020 2021 okay so, he, so he's not losing anything yeah because I, I i just think in terms of the outside of so5 um collectability yeah so if you think that you know if ac milan go on to win the title this weekend um how collectible will those cars be if collectability becomes a thing on so rare so do you think the rookie of Lei would be more expensive or the year that he won the title? That's the question, isn't it? That we, we don't mm-hmm. know yet. Um, but I think for me, I'm thinking, well, you know, if I've got the unique of these cards on the st- in a season which AC Milan won the title for the first time, I don't know how long it, they last won the title. It's been a while, though, hasn't it, since AC Milan won the Scudetto? Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you get the cards, they're all young. They could all go on to do who knows what. Um if collectability on so rare becomes a thing, which I think you have to be, you have to be mindful of, or at least mm. believe in some part. If you are playing so rare, then that could be a that could be a, a potential gold mine there. Um, so I think that's something to think about. That's something that I think about more often now. Is okay, I could sell this card for SO five purposes, or hold on a minute, especially with a gallery side, I, I don't suffer too much if I hold on to a card for the next 15, 20 years and see what mm. happens in terms of collectability. Um, so I think that's always something I'm mindful of is, you know, we play SO5 because we're addicted and we love it and we're mm. into it. However, there's a bigger picture here, which is around um, where do NFTs go in the future? How big do they become? Um, and then how big do sports collectibles online become? Yeah. And, Therefore, how big do things like so rare cards become? Um, and then you want to make sure you've got the right, a good gallery of good cards that yeah. could be worth a lot, lot, lot more in the future. Yeah, like like what I what I say about the so rare collectability utility thing is right. I used to be very bullish in collectability, um, probably more so than I should have been short term. Um, do you know, like I was kind of expecting the cards to be worth much more short term. Um, but I think the collectability is much more of a long-term play. Um, I think utility is at the forefront at the minute and drives values way more. But as something I've said a million times, so apologies to everyone who's heard me say this, it's just about over time, if you believe in so rare, the first officially licensed digital collectibles and <laughs> NFTs, if you believe in NFTs, if you love football, I mean, the sports card market's there to see in the physical world. I just think as so rare... like. 
in any in physical cards, if a new product comes out and I make up John Nellis collectibles and I go and get a couple of licenses and start banging out rookie cards, it'll be years before anyone everyone will look at that and go like that's a bum product. That's that's fucking some shit product. It's tops tops chrome panini um, that you need. But I think a so rare builds that IP over time and becomes more of a household name and becomes a bigger company. And then it's like so rare's been around for fifteen years. And then you're like, well, so rare is obviously like so rare is the digital tops or the digital panini. And then at that stage, people will give it the respect it's due. And at that stage, the Ronaldos, the Messi's, the Mbappe's, the Hallands, the youngsters, the rookies, the one ofs, the serial numbers will probably start to come into it a lot more. But I think the issue that a lot of us have is we play a very short term game with the collectability. You know, we buy the one of and expect them to be double priced next year. It's not quite the game with the collectability. And even at that, a lot of cards just simply aren't collectible. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think you're being, we don't necessarily know which ones are going to be mm. the, the the real collectibles. I think, but I do think um, it is important to play the collectible game, or else you know I, I would question what, what the game actually is. You know, you, yeah, you play the game. You're in the cards. The cards have no inherent value, but you, know, you win more cards, or you sell them on to other people that want to win more cards. Yeah, if you believe the cards have no inherent value, then that looks more like a Ponzi scheme than a than an actual thing. <clears throat> yeah. Whereas, because because the ETH payouts aren't enough to justify the amounts that have been paid, so I personally believe that they do have inherent value, and I mm. do believe they are collectible or will be collectible. And the fact that we don't think that now is irrelevant. People. Mm barely get things right in the moment. And that's the bets that you kind of play. You kind of say, well, no one's thinking about this now because everyone's having fun playing this game. But the bottom line is, if so we went bust tomorrow, um, you will still be able to pull off your cards, hold those in your wallet, and you will still have those first um, yeah. NFTs to ever really be officially licensed. Um, yeah. And then your play is, if oh, holding these NFTs is worth anything in the future, even on a different platform, you still got the first one from the first platform that ever yeah. right? And, yeah. and that might make it even more collectible. So either way, if Sorare goes on to become very big, they become collectible. If Sorare goes bust, they might become collectible because these are the only Sorare cards that ever existed. Mm. So 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 it kind of plays either way. And um, but again, that's a bet, right? That's a bet, that's a gamble, yeah. that's speculating. We don't know what it's going to be in the future. It will be worth something, but that might be 10 pence as opposed to 10 million quid, right? So um, yeah. that's kind of the the game you play. Because uh, there's... Yeah. Sorry, I was going to butt in just on the first ever. I know Wrapped Strikers were out, I think, probably as the rookie of, of all the, the football collectibles, NFTs, but they aren't licensed. So, like, again, is that like a John Ellis card where it's like, who gives a fuck? That, you know? is, that is exactly a who gives a fuck because you know they're, they're not officially licensed so they don't have that link to the actual clubs right and yeah i think that's that's the only reason why for me it's valuable that you know they are officially licensed by the clubs so the official kind of merchandise um and collectibles in that way whereas anybody as you say can do like a jpeg and put it up there and say what we do and they could have done that three yeah. years ago but but nobody gives a Give a shit about that. No, no one cares. Because <laughs> yeah. they're not official, right? They're basically bootlegs. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. We can prove that you got the original. So I've loads of things here to talk to you about, right? I've so many things that even just off what we've already spoke about that I want to go at. But I'm gonna start at the top here and work our way down. So I just want to be a bit self-indulgent for a minute, Nanzo. Now, as a guy with over 30 wins 
I'm sure you'll appreciate how special it is to get your first. I've played this game hard for a year and a half now. Congrats. I've had a, I've had a few podiums, but it's been a, it's been almost like a year. I think what I've done is I've kind of DJ'd into buying all the under 23s I like. I'm not thinking about actual gallery composition, and I'm not playing enough tournaments. So I'll go really strong in the under 23 divisions. I'll put in my All Star Pro and enjoy it. All Star will be kind of like, all right, we'll try and hit the ETH. I might put in a champion team. I haven't even played Challenger for a few months because I'm like, ah, oh, fuck that. I don't have the IX guys. It's a really inefficient use of resource considering the gallery size. I think it's like 75 ETH at the minute. So I'm going to try and transition over the summer to be a much more like sort of competitive gallery. But my first win came before I had that restructuring really took took um, started to happen. I won the Super Air Underdog. Now, absolutely buzzing, first win, tier one super rare, so excited, booted up the live stream, 250 people watching, thanks to everyone who was there, and who did I get as my tier one super rare? Who did I get? I got Tiago Santana. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Tiago bloody Santana. Like, I mean, come on. Welcome this is, to the world of winning in so rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I swear every time I win super rares, there's disappointment. Now, don't get me wrong. The last super rare I won was a guy called Grisha Prommel, who's actually done all right since. He's been scoring really, really well for Union Berlin. Um, but still, I was disappointed because the guy below me got like Danilo or something, right? And then before that, who did I win? I won a Tesho Akindele, albeit he was like a tier three. I've won a Johan Handel, who was okay for me for a while. A few of them haven't been too disappointing, but the bottom line here is like a tier one. Like, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, listen, that that's something people don't realise. Obviously, like you're winning and you, you're grateful, but you're not grateful, right? <laughs> like, you, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're grateful like you've won, but then like, cause you, your, your mind is like, okay, what can I win? Which is why I never look at the prize pools anymore. Mm. I literally do not look at the prize pools because- Too much heartbreak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I felt it earlier because uh, I remember one of the things I really kind of had a big bellyache about was that I looked at the prize pool and it showed me three cars. I think there was a Moriaka and there was a, 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 another, three, three really good cards. And um, I thought, okay, because it was midweek. And so I thought, okay, so I can win one of those three. And so mm. I'm like, okay, I came first. And I was like, yes, I'm going to get one of those three cards because those were the only ones showing in the prize pool. Yeah. And so uh, I opened my prize and I get a goalkeeper from, I think it was from the Austrian League or something I'd never heard of that has now since, um, is now playing for a, car, for a team that's no longer on um, Sora. It's like, literally, I was like, this is my tier zero. My star unique was some random goalkeeper from the Austrian league that literally doesn't play. And so I kind of made a big, big, big song and dance about it. But then you kind of say, well, look, I now know what it is, but I could get a really good card or I could get a kind of nerfed. And if you know that, then you kind of go in reputation that, okay, you may get a good card. You may not get a good card. um, And that's part of the way that the dice rolls. Yeah. I think the thing I would want a bit more is just a bit more transparency around that. And I've kind of said that, you know, I wouldn't mind having the option to see as soon as the game week starts, what's in the, what the prize pool is. So you kind of know beforehand. So you don't get this nagging feeling, well, have they just given me a, a nerf card? Yeah. As opposed to this is the card that anybody would have won. Um, and I think just to, that transparency would be, would just be a bit useful. I mean, you can still decide not to to see it and hopefully stay away from people that might, 
might reveal it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think having that option to, to potentially, but then, you know, you do want that, that element of, oh, what could it be, don't you? Once yeah. You it's a hard one. Like, I, I get it. I, I've thought about that before. Like, what if the rewards were just pre-published? Would you get it, though, where people see that Mbappe isn't there that week, so then they go elsewhere, and then divisions are flooded, and it would kind of corrupt, like, the spread of teams? No, but you, that, do it after, you do it after the deadline. Just oh, after. after the deadline. Okay, yeah. So then everyone knows. Yeah, that that's fair. So, so as you, the deadline comes, the, the prizes are revealed, and everyone knows what they're playing for. So then you might have put your best team in under 23 rare pro, and then you say, oh, my God, it's an Mbappe. Yeah, go if I ever yeah. want to win. Yeah, yeah I, I I wouldn't be against that. I mean, I think the the thrill of the chase and the like. Oh my god, I've got this, and then the wondering um for a day or two, and then revealing the rewards, great, particularly for content. But like, I I don't I, th- I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, and it would it would take away the disappointment, but then maybe it takes away the elation. You know, the upside of like the thrill. I I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, it's just swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Uh, I can see it from both sides. I think for me, like, my thing has been the amount of duplicate prizes that I've won has been ridiculous. Mm. About 15 million Frank Kessies. Like, literally, it's like there was a period of time where all I win was a Frank Kessie. Frank Kessie. Yeah. Frank Kessie, literally. Is he off to Barcelona? um, I think he is. Yeah, I think he I don't know what he's going to do there, where he's going to play, but yeah, interesting. I see. Yeah, you've got you've got four Kessies in your gallery. Um, I've sold about fifteen. So <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think um, I don't know if you ever listened to So Rare Andrews. I think they always say like you're more likely to win cards that are in your gallery because it always happens to them. So you know, if you ever win a star, a star under twenty three, Lonan Mbappe, just continue <laughs> your award because uh, you'll definitely hit it. But look, we'll we'll move on. We've lots to talk about. Um, Something just to throw out there, I think uh, they put out that they've renewed their license with Bundesliga, the Bundesliga, so they've extended that for another two seasons, 2023 uh, up to 2025, so those two seasons inclusive. Um, Let me see, they've extended the Bundesliga 2 partnership, but they don't have any immediate plans to expand their coverage and gameplay to the second German division just yet. Um, so yeah, look, I think I think this is positive. You know, it's, it's obviously positive. They've extended a relationship for another couple of years with a huge... Um, global brand so like yeah any thoughts on that or yeah absolutely I think people make a big deal about oh we need to get a premiership we need to get this we need to get that no 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 what you need to do is keep the people you got and mm. convince the people you've got that actually it works and it not only works for them but it works for you and it works for your business model and I think having these extensions like the MLS extension well they they got the MLS on board didn't they um, and then having this Bundesliga extension just shows that from a business angle, it's it's good for the leagues and it's mm. good for it's good for them. So um, I think for me that's critical because it shows it's going to work. I mean, you can always entice a newcomer on board and say, "Oh yeah, come over here, show me a new." Yeah. But once they've been here for a year or a year or two and they're still coming back, that's when you know you've got something going. So I yeah. think it, I think we underplay it because we just look at it and say, "Oh, it's just the Bundesliga again. I want something new. I want the Premiership." Yeah. No, 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 no. That's a big deal. They've come back and it shows that it's working for both parties, which is only good for the platform. Yeah, and that's a really nice look at it as well, because I have to say, I would be one of those, I'm literally here, I was hoping you'd say, oh, I am happy enough, and we brush over it, but you're right, it does show that the Bundesliga are happy, it shows that they're happy enough to commit to it for another two seasons. Um, We still have moments to come from the Bundesliga, um, and obviously they are a huge league in their own right, Um, so yeah, 
you're right, maybe this is, like, a lot of people look at this, and even if I look at the announcement on the Discord, normally underneath the wee announcements, there's loads of reactions to the emojis. People barely clicked on this one, so people are probably like, oh, yeah, when, when Prem? Do you know, when Premiership? <laughs> but, um... You're right. I think like the proof of concept, people like the Bundesliga coming back only makes people like the Premier League more likely to get involved. So, yeah, let's go Bundesliga. Okay. Um, the next thing, <clears throat> some users have been given a new uh, game lobby. I haven't. Did you? I haven't noticed anything different. No. Yeah. So it, it was sent out to a select few users and they're looking for feedback if anyone has any. Um I had a look at it, and do you know what it was like? It reminded me. Do you remember whenever um, the the game lobby kind of changed initially from whatever it was? I can't even forget what it was. Remember the whole like D1, D2, D3, D4 type of vibes? And then it changed to this, like the limited rare, super rare tabs and all. And then there was like the rare pro, all-star pros and this. And I was confused. And I was like, I hate it. And now it's what I know. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to change yeah, it's the change that you don't like. So now that they've changed it again, I know whenever I have access to it, I'm like, oh, this is bollocks, isn't it? Just yeah. not knowing how to move around and maneuver it. But once we get used to it, I'm sure they've done the research. Maybe it is better. Um, I don't know if you've seen any photos of it or anything. I haven't. Um, but one thing, I'll, one thing I think I would say is one of the things that didn't I didn't kind of connect with SO5 when I initially joined was, was because... I'm not sure the SoRare.com does enough to kind of really pop the the actual. I don't know what it is the the stickiness of the of the game. Mm. Whereas when you get SoRare data, and I don't really want to compare to I know they're two different companies and stuff like that, but SoRare data gives a lot more for somebody who wants to get into SO5, mm. and like the changes that I mean, I use SoRare data kind of eighty percent of the time, and I only kind of really use SoRare to go and execute. Yeah actual trades or put my teams actually on but everything else i kind of do on server data and i just feel like um if they can take elements of that and put it in the core product i think that you know it'll get people kind of more engaged i mean even things like the um the numbers the uh the numbers i don't know if it's the 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 kind of so the the five the the last five scores average I'm not sure that's even right on Sower.com. Like, I'm not sure it's yeah. like, correct. Or it doesn't actually even mean any, it doesn't mean anything. You look at it in isolation. It's only when you kind of drill down the details and you kind of see the graphs and you kind of know, oh, actually that person's actually missed three games and it's only kind mm. of showing the one. And I don't think that kind of pops enough. So I can imagine that a lot of people who kind of look at players and try to evaluate players, particularly players that they don't know, I think it's harder to do on so rare than it is on so rare data. It's a lot easier to evaluate players, get deep deep dive into statistics, which you kind of need to do to to really kind of get a handle on the game. And mm. you know that's just not that's just not part of so rare common. And it, it might work good that way because you kind of know so rare data for the geeks and so rare data yeah. for the players that just want to buy stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a lot more kind of a so rare data guy than a so guy. Yeah, I think I think we all are. I think it's something stupid, the percentages. I was talking to like Laird and HG at So Rare Data when I seen them in America and all and like actually do you know what? It's not even that that wasn't even a topic of conversation there, but I've heard it before on podcasts or in different places. Like the percentage of people who win rewards or something on So Rare that use So Rare Data is like staggering. 
Do you know what I mean? It's like everyone uses it and it's because so rare data is everything you'd want so rare to be themselves. But you're right, everyone just uses so rare data for all the like research, digging around, working things out, having fun. And then you go over to so rare to pop offers out and to set your lineups and that's that. But this new game lobby, I think it's been um, changed to kind of match the app. Okay. So it's kind of like when I say match the app, I don't really know because I haven't used the app too much. And if I have, it's definitely not to set lineups. But like, you know, the change of font and the way it's all set up. And I think they're trying to make it more like that. I don't know if you have the app, but like... I haven't. I haven't. Is that app any good? Is it any good? I don't know. It's Again, it's one of those. It's the change. Like, I prefer to sit down, set my lineups at a desktop and do this. So like, there's nothing in the app for me. And even in chasing lineups okay i'm getting notifications of people who score goals and stuff which is nice uh but i mean like i have those notifications set up elsewhere anyway and i use so rare data to follow my lineups because it's it's a it's an interface that i'm used to now have you used um, so a data app yeah all the time yeah yeah it's, it's one of those where you just kind of set notifications like yeah 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 it's just yeah I, I don't want to talk to too much about the companies because they're two separate companies yeah, and I, yeah. Like, I don't want to feel like i'm shitting on so rare because i think they do an absolutely fantastic job but yeah. i just think in terms of usability for users i just think like so are they now in terms of what what you need as a player i've got the title for the podcast nanzo shits on so rare <laughs> <laughs> i'll get the clicks in and <laughs> click bait the bastards <laughs> um yeah so the new new game lobby we've talked about it i'm gonna throw a little thing out there now um and this one is actually quite exciting and i really hope a lot of you'll endeavor to be there so i'm hoping to run when i say hoping i'm about 95 percent sure i'm gonna do it details need ironed out i just but I'm, I'm really really bullish on making it happen a so rare meetup call it so rare con if you will so rare fest if you like london um, because it's central for a lot of people. I think London is definitely accessible to French people. Hello, French people. Hello, Germans. Hello, Dutch. Hello, Belgians. Bounce on a train, take a few hours. Jump on a flight if you so wish. Get to London. 5th of August, kick off of the Premier League season. God knows what else kicks off then. Get in a room. Load of so rare managers. Have a bit of fun. Come up with a few little games and things that can happen and be around the room to make it a really engaging atmosphere. Maybe record a live drunk cast. Who knows? There'll be a bar. Um, whatever. Kinks need worked out. London, 5th of August. Loads of solar managers. If it's something you would try to be at, please let me know because I need to kind of roughly know how many numbers we can expect because in my head, it's going to be anywhere between 40 and 150 and I actually just don't know. So having an idea of numbers is important. If this is something that interests you, if you would travel down from England, Scotland, anywhere else in the country, fly over from Ireland with me, whatever, let me know. London meetup, 5th of August. It's a Friday night in London. And maybe I'll get to meet Nanzo. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, he'll be there. Um, so that's the wee plug for that. Please do let me know. Okay, Nanzo, baseball. We talked about it last week and we've talked about the, the next two topics we're going to discuss were discussed last week, but I want your view on them as well. I won't come in and do it as much because I talked about it all last week. But baseball, initial thoughts. Initial thoughts are, I think it's good for Sora as a brand. Um to kind of be the home of collectible sports collectibles because uh, that um, space is open in the NFT space. Mm. And um, yeah, I think it's important. Again, you know, it's one of those where do you specialize or do you kind of broaden out enough? But I do think it's it's niche enough to be like, well, you know what, sports collectibles as opposed to mm. football collectibles. Um, and if there's the opportunity to, to, to nail down other sports, 
I think, yeah, go for it. Be ambitious and and go for it and do it. Um, as for whether I'll be playing baseball, uh, probably not because I don't have the bandwidth to do it. Mm. Um, and I don't know much about baseball. I mean, I've only, went, I've only seen uh, one baseball game when I was in New Jersey and it, it doesn't seem, <laughs> from the fans' perspective, it seemed to be nothing about the baseball and everything about going up and buying hot dogs and hamburgers <laughs> and, and then going back yeah, yeah. At, at 10 minutes later and going and buying more stuff. I mean, I, I basically yeah. bankrupt myself just just kind of paying for stuff around the baseball. But it, it's I, I enjoyed the actual experience of going to baseball. But actually, the, the sports and the ins and outs, I actually know nothing about. Mm. So I, I don't think... Um, I would probably collect from a um, collectability standpoint. So I'd probably mm. look into it and say, well, which ones are the most collectible from a collectability standpoint? How much are they likely to cost? And if they don't seem too prohibitive, I might pick up a few. Yeah. Um, I might throw in a few teams just for the sake of, well, let's see how it goes. Um, but I don't think I'll take it anywhere near as seriously as I take the football because I'm into football and I think I know a thing or two about football. Yeah. I think I kind of view it like I view even more so than I view like um, Asian football, for example, or MLS. So for me, I love European football just because I find it easier to follow. They're players I know. I've known them for years. I know the history. I know the clubs. I know the players. I know the foot they use. I know where they've been. I know what they do. You know, all that sort of shit. You know that. Trying to get me into like the MLS or Asia is kind of that same feeling I have about baseball, except a little bit less. So like I'm much, it's easier to kind of transition into the MLS or Asia because it's football and you know football, right? So what I'm saying is it's almost like the stepping stone. So Asia, what I did was I just kind of bought like a frontal stack and I just pump it out. And in, in Brazil, I bought like a bunch of the best guys and I pump them out. And that's what I do. And like, look, if someone's rotated, they're rotated. And I kind of look at MLB, like an even a further extension of that, where like, I can't see myself staying up really, really late to watch these games and watching them really intently. But will I buy a Showatani? Absolutely. Because then you're kind of hedging and back in the baseball collectability side of the game. Yeah. Um, like the Showatani first officially licensed NFT. Maybe there's other ones out there. I don't know. But like, Having that, maybe buying one team's worth of a stack, like just go and buy a Mets stack because why not? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, will I do something like that? Maybe, yeah. But like, I don't think I can see myself getting really engrossed in the MLB side of it and knowing all the stats and data in a year's time. Yeah. But stranger and things I, have happened. Yeah, and I hope that it works like that. I hope it actually brings in different people. You know, actual, mm. you know, they, they, they package the product to appeal to baseball fans, you know, yeah. just in every way that they can package that to appeal for baseball fans and you will get some crossover people that yeah. just, let me go and look at the football but I think just having that oh well yeah I've got so rare cards oh yeah which ones you got I've got the, I've got the soccer uh, soccer ones they like to call soccer that. <laughs> <laughs> and then other people are like yeah I've got the baseball ones and yeah, yeah. So you've got that you know you want to have that interchangeability where people can say well yeah it's just the so rare cards and you want kind of so rare to be like do you remember like we used to call vacuum cleaners hoovers, right? Yeah. You know, the hoover, right? But you, yeah, you use yeah. a brand rather than, and you want people to think of, you know, football NFTs as, yeah, so rare cards as opposed to NFT cards or whatever. Yeah, that'll piss off the, like the other companies here out there. Like, exactly. oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got a so rare card. Oh, you mean like a football NFT? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a so oh, rare card. So rare card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah so look baseball exciting I think it's brilliant for so rare all in yeah. all I gave my thoughts last week I think um, and I think baseball as an institution is a very collector driven thing in the US um, collectible it's a very collectible sport and I think like that will transition to NFTs 
Women's football. Yes. Thoughts? Thoughts are, because I, I hear that people, that, is the idea that they're going to try and mix it or there's thoughts, talks of them? They, they put out a survey basically kind of asking the question, like, should we mix it or should we not, I think. Um, okay. And it's got very, very mixed feedback. Okay. Uh, well, I think the starting point is, I think it's very positive. If they've got, yeah. Have they actually got the licenses for the way they're talking, I think they definitely have yes. some sort of licenses nailed down. I don't know who's, where's, what's, but they definitely have something nailed down. Yeah, so if they've got the licenses nailed down and they introduce um, women's football, I think that's a, a real positive. And like mm-hmm. my standpoint is, I was telling you, um, you know, my daughter plays, my daughter plays football. I'm, I, you know, I go to to take a training, I watch football every, every weekend with her. Um, yeah. So I kind of see see what it is and see what it's doing for the for the young girls and to to have that as part of this platform and I can say well you know these are the stars that you should be kind of following and yeah out. it'll get me to kind of understand that game more just from a selfish individual perspective. However, I think mixing it with the men would be a mistake mainly because I think there's a dynamic within Surrey that I think people ignore, and that's that if you have um, say um, I don't know a Japanese team doing really well and they're all scoring hundreds every single week. That's going to be good for you to have that stack for mm. one season, because what will happen the next season, half of those players will end up in different teams. They'll move up. They'll move yeah. up into the league, right? And then they'll get to a point where either they are the next Messi, Mbappe, and in which case they're international superstars and they have the profile to match their price. Mm. Or if you buy them at a higher price in a lower division, you're taking a risk that, oh, actually, I might lose my money when they end up at Brighton. That <laughs> happened to me with Matoma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or, or whoever, or um, what's his name? Tanaka, who ended up in uh, the, second the division. division yeah. yeah, exactly. So those are the risks you take. And you say, well, short term, this is an excellent idea or to buy it. But long term, it might be a completely shitty idea. So what you've got is you've got the transferability between players. And eventually, all roads lead to the top leagues and to the best players in the world, and they have the profile. So anybody looking at So Rare can say, oh, I understand why Haaland costs that much. I understand why Mbappe costs that much because he's the best player in the world. Everybody knows him, et cetera, et cetera. I think if you mix um, women's football in there, and I hear like the Barcelona women's football team are like ridiculous. Yeah, Uh, we we looked at it last week. They were like, it's 20-something wins, no draws, no losses, 160 goals, 10 goals conceded. Yeah, so what you've got there is... Unfortunately, the profile of women's football isn't as high as men's football, but then you're going to have it skewed whereby everybody needs these cards and they get an overinflated price just because you want to try and win an Mbappe and an Haaland mm. and whatnot. And there's no chance for those, they, they're, they're at the top of the female game, up a level for them to get leveled out. So, you know, that player will then dominate for the next three, four, five years. And it just becomes a game about getting the best female players so you can get the best men's cards. And mm. I don't, that's the best way to do it. I think if what they're trying to do... Sorry, I'm going on. Aren't I? No, it's, it's good. It's important. It is important. And it's good to get your perspective as well. If what they're trying to do is kind of get people to, to embrace the women's game and particularly existing users, what you can do is you can um, add some men's cards to the prize pool. So you can say, well, you know, the top 10 win... Uh, the, the women's cards as you would now kind of like your, your, your tier ones and your tier zeros but you also win a tier one male card as well and vice versa on the flip side mm-hmm. if you finish in the top 10 
in Champions Europe, whatever, you win some Champions Europe women's cards. And so you can either choose to sell those or think, oh, actually, let me get involved in the women's game and see what that's about and maybe build out a team on that end and, mm. and try and compete there as well. So I think there are ways in which you can incentivize people to go and get involved in the women's league who are currently in a men's league and vice versa without necessarily mixing them in terms of the actual gameplay. Because I mm. think people are right when they say that, you know, it will potentially break the system um, if you've got kind of outliers and there's no way for those people to progress in a way that makes sense to the outside person to say, well, actually, this is the next Mbappe. That's why they cost five ETH or whatever. Mm. Now, that kind of makes some sense, some sort of sense. No, it does, 100%. Um, I've seen a lot of thoughts about it, and I think it's such a touchy one. I said this last week in the podcast as well, because initially... I feel like people quite often are afraid to speak your mind because you're afraid that you'll just be branded sexist. It's it's a bit taboo almost, where you can have genuine concerns about it being them being mixed with the men's game for very legitimate reasons. But if you try and vocalize those, yeah, or you're not yeah, you're not yeah. as literate as you should be, or you you say one word wrong, you could be crucified. So it is a bit touchy. But like I said it last week, I just think there's more to be lost than gained. I think it's a very a very the bottom line is the numbers will speak for it themselves if they have all the data they pull if Opta covers all those leagues and if they can pull all the data run it through models test it and they see that okay it won't actually impact it any more than adding the Bolivian league um, or the Israeli league or whatever league do you know if they can do that and they go okay yeah this will actually work okay yes there will be outliers but there's outliers in the men's game okay then I'm starting to get it but as you say like these Barcelona players are at the pinnacle and like they're they're really dicking it. And they're probably going to dick it for five more years or however many more years. And it just it it's such a drastic change to the game to implement. Um, yeah, yeah I don't it, know. It, it can work both ways though. So let's say in two years' time, the the women's score for whatever they are, they're they're a lot lower than the men's. Then mm. nobody buys the women's cards mm. because because there's no there's no incentive to buy those cards because they they don't compete in that in the same way because. So I, I think that f- for me, yeah, I, d- I just think for, for, for me, I think it's, it's, it's the crossover. It's the mm. fact that every single guy in the man's league can go up and down those leagues. And so there's some synergy. It's one ecosystem. Whereas in the, in the female game, it's a different ecosystem. And so it yeah. should be treated separately. And, and you have kind of, like if, if they all score an average of 60, then... It's fine. You, the highest person will still win the top prizes, and 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 it's a game within itself. I mm. think finding the, I think they're worried that people won't engage, and I think finding the right incentive for people to engage, I think, is important. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's. For, I think that, like you say, they they look at these things, they look at the stats, they they are the experts, and yeah. they're all deciding it. But they also need to bear in mind sentiment. If the sentiment is, oh no, the game's crap, then it might not be. But if people think that. And that yeah. might be a problem in and of itself. Yeah. But as you as you opened with, and I think it's important to reiterate, I think it's a great move in terms of equality in the women's game. Oh, I think I think it's outstanding. And having that on so rare will make a bunch of diehard, passionate football fans potentially fall in love with the women's game and start to have know the names of the players and the teams and, you know, really grow fond of them. And as you say, there's no reason why it couldn't become its own game. You think of how many people on so rare didn't give a shit about the Jupiler League who are diehard fans of it now. You know, if you implement this, you have some ether words up for grabs, maybe some experiences, different bits and bobs. You know, people might 
fall in love with that game uh, and build galleries over time. You can run special weeklies which incorporate the cards together um, or specific divisions every week that you can play both cards to win whatever prizes. Um, but yeah, look, it'll just be interesting to see how it evolves. Are there places that you can watch women's football? Like if you want, if I wanted to watch a random Barcelona game, can you, can you do that easily at the moment? I'd say so. I'd say so. I'd say yeah. the license is one of those where like some dodgy person has it. I think Sky Sports have some of the stuff and I'll see like ladies games on there at times. Um, I think I might want to squat up ahead of time, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get my uh, knowledge raised up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. I have a few things here. I have a few notes that I just took while we were talking. So it's, I'm going to kind of go back over a few things we spoke about and hit you with things. First off, left field. Why Nanzo Scoop? Uh, I think because, I think of Fat Man Scoop yeah it's a bit weird I think when I first I think it's when I first joined Twitter I think I joined Twitter like 12, 12 years ago a long time ago and it's like one of my middle names and it's kind of just like messed up a bit of my middle name it's not, it's not exactly like that but I didn't want to put my name on there and so yeah. I thought let me just make up a random name and I just made that up and now I, I use that name whenever I go on something which is new and dodgy <laughs> not saying the same <laughs> yeah welcome to my new and dodgy podcast <laughs> so I'm like oh, I don't know what it is don't put a name on it let me just use that as a it just kind of stuck as like no I just use yeah. to be fair no it's a cool name cool name um, I was one, I was trying to like work it out in my head earlier I was thinking like man so scoop scoop the only scoop I know is fat man scoop uh, that I was thinking about it but yeah there we go um, so that was one question I had you studied law um, and again I know law is a very very broad topic and maybe it's been years since you've exercised it but yeah. from a, law, a lawyer's head or, or thought process and again pie this one off if it's just irrelevant to you these days yeah. but in terms of just so rare is there anything that concerns you legally not not particular. I think like obviously there's there's the gambling's the big one. Gambling and the regulation. I think regulation in general. And I think a lot of that's just around look, if if sorrow gets really popular and people are kind of overextending themselves to to play it and and lo- treating it like gambling and losing a lot of money, then that's when you know governments tend to step in, you know. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of one of the risks with um the premier premiership, for example, for me is there isn't a satisfactory jump from common to limited because common is free limited to have a really good team. You're probably going to have to pay around five to five grand upwards to have a really good competitive mm. team that will win across the board. Um, and what you kind of need is that ground whereby people can, can win for like, or play for like a couple hundred quid. Uh, and it's just a, it's just like a, a, a you know, very casual thing uh, and you know I've got some thoughts around around that and about how you can improve the common league in order to make it more accessible to people mm. but I think if you do have that level whereby you know people can play it but not overextend themselves I mean you've always got the outline of person that's going to extend themselves that's just going to happen yeah but the general person that wants to play so seriously doesn't have to pay thousands I think it's important to have that level before you kind of branch out to people and then I think governments will get involved if people are like losing tens of thousands mm. being so rare they will just look at it as gambling and, and regulate it in terms of that jump from common to to limited so rare spies asked how would you improve the free-to-play aspect of the game like something yeah. I've sort of shouted about for a while I don't know your thoughts like and again 
I understand the multi-account and the bots, the whatever else, that yes, it is a free-to-play, so why should they put up prizes? But at the minute, I mean, you're talking, I don't know what the numbers are like at the minute. You could probably check on, on so rare data, but like, at least a month or two ago, you were talking 100,000 entrants. I imagine it's more now for three limited cards with the top one being a tier two. Like, for the millions of limited cards they can mint, I personally think it's a little bit, I just don't think it's enough. And I think even within the common division, why can't you split it up into under 23s, Challenger, Champion, Asia, America? Give people that incentive to learn the game, understand the regions, understand what under 23s entails, and start to kind of get hooked on the game and, and the strategy around different parts of it. Um, and maybe put those three rewards into each region, totaling up to 24 rewards a week instead of three, and make the rewards from each region. Or, you know, and like if you enter, it's tough though, because like if you're entering champion, you're not going to get the Asian rewards and you're just going to get champion. And then how do you get the Asian cards to enter that? Because you can't buy them if it's common only. So I know there's a bit of a few intricacies to it, but I, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't think there's much downside to make the free to play version that bit more engaging. See, I think, and this might be a controversial take. <clears throat> I don't think there should be a free-to-play version. Oh, boom, here we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hear me out, hear me out. What I think they should do is just make those limited, make the commons, just make them packs. Just make them packs where it costs like five quid to buy a pack of five cards or whatever. Whatever's a reasonable price point to buy those common cards. And do as you say, have the different leagues and just allow people to buy those packs. And then you can introduce all kinds of playability there. So you can do things like, you know, if I want to upgrade from a uh, tier one to a to a star, I need to burn ten tier one commons in order to have a random star common. Mm. Um, so there, there's a way. To, I mean, if you think of it, I mean, I was talking to one of my friends who is mad about um, FIFA. Like, yeah, FIFA, yeah. I hadn't really understood the depths of it until I was talking to him over Christmas, and you can just see like the 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 appetite there is for people to have these packs of cards, which they then play and trade and burn and upgrade and, and all that kind of stuff. And they, and they pay you, I think so you think you can buy some and you win, you win lots. And I think the idea is you allow people opportunities to win a lot of commons, then they don't mind paying for a few. And if you mm. say, well, you only need a budget of 50 quid to get started, you know, for someone who wants to play it seriously, 50 quid and free, there isn't much of a big jump. Right. Mm. If you say free on the internet, you're going to get Sybil attacked, um, which is where people kind of use fake accounts to, to, to try and game it. Mm. Um, or you, you're going to get kind of lots of AI and bots kind of involved, where the minute you put money in it, or it, it, it becomes a disincentive for those bots to get involved. But I think just just having that, looking at what FIFA, just look at what FIFA are doing. Just look at what FIFA are doing and do something similar for commons to get that crowd in. Because when I, when I spoke to him and he's like, oh yeah, because I thought they literally just played the video game. I mean, the last time I played those video games, yeah, I'm my age was like um, World. It was a game called World Soccer on the Sega Master System back in the <laughs> late eighties. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the last time I actually played one of those games. So I thought they yeah, just played yeah. that. But he spends like the majority of his time just trying to impress me with his card collection. Yeah, grinding. Only, yeah, yeah. And there's and when they play the games, it's literally the person who scores the first goal the other person's forfeits so they can like grind through the games and yeah. so i think like the appeal of being able to watch your favorite football team and watch them play in real life and compose your so5 score teams and all that kind of stuff i think that would appeal to a lot wider audience if we can get a mm. price point now 
And I think the way you do that is by having packs, which are a reasonable price, which you can get like, maybe you can, I mean, I mean, there's lots of economics around how that all works, but, and they can look into that. But I think if they can do that, and I think it probably depends on their licenses, I think that's a better way to have the common level, entry level, than to have this kind of one division, as you say, that's kind of dry. It really has no correlation, the common division, to play in the actual game, play in limited. It's, it's complete mm. chalk and cheese. It's like no real correlation. So, yeah, I, I would go down that route if I was or so rare, if I was, uh, and, and explore that. And I think if you've got that, then people can say, well, actually, if you're sensible, you can play this game to a really high level for a couple of hundred quid. Mm. And, and I think that's more, much more appealing you than see, uh, having the, a free to play level. The, the packs, obviously, they aren't going to do packs because of the, the loot box gambling regulations and stuff, and it just brings them down. So I don't know if they would do packs for, if, if you're paying. I could see them doing like the free packs for the commons because there's nothing at stake, but paying a five or even for a pack. But I mean, I understand the kind of entry, like the paid entry. It's like what I did with my YouTube membership thing. I wanted to start a Discord, but I was like, if I start a Discord here, I'll get every dickhead in, every spammer, every bot, every person who doesn't like me and it's just going to require moderation and it's going to be a fucking shit show but the minute you slap even just a few quid a month onto it people aren't going to go out of their way to pay to do that do you know so it's kind of the same idea it's like having some sort of barrier I I understand the logic like then you're going to get in the true people who want to play and then maybe using that small amount of money you can fluff up the prizes a bit um but yeah, I don't know. I think now that they've committed, there's the free-to-play option. I don't know if they'd ever completely rescind it, to be honest. But like, I do, personally, I just think it could be that bit more engaging. And I don't think it's a problem if people come in and they only ever play that then and don't transition to the, the paid. Because I think the amount of people that will give it a go for free and transition to the paid will pay for the people that come in and just enjoy the free-to-play version. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I think it's just a case of... I think if that's the case, then then you you do need to find a way to... To, to make it so that it mirrors closely what, what yeah. you do on the paid. Yeah. And having yeah. those additional divisions and being able to get cards more. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you don't really have that element of being able to trade cards, which I think would also be useful if there's a way to to trade cards. But again, I don't know how that will, will affect it if people are able to to buy and sell commons. I've I've two other things to throw at you here and then we'll get into a few questions. So one, one note I have is just about the MLB rewards. I seen a clip from an article sent into a chat and I have no idea where it's from. I have no idea of its legitimacy, but the person who posted it, I trust. And the gist of it was saying that the MLB game won't have ETH rewards. It'll just be cards. There won't be any ETH. So like there won't be the thresholds, there won't be podium because because of US gambling laws it gets a bit close if there's money at stake or money to win, is what I've seen. Now, I have said before, if there's no ETH reward, and the other part is, if there's no experience or, like, real-world trip to be won or memorabilia or... I just see the idea of buying cards to win more cards, to win more cards, to sell your cards, to win more cards, to sell cards, to win cards, to buy cards. I just see that borderline Ponzi personally in my head. I don't like that. Like, I wouldn't be involved if that was the case. Now, the one thing that I'm not taking into account that massively counteracts that whole statement is the collectability. Because if you're buying these cards, like you buy the tops cards in the shelf behind me, but there's a chance that they will yield me more of these collectible cards that people want purely for the collectability, 
you know, then that's another avenue that I, I understand. Um, because, I mean, like, the amount of ETH that's actually won isn't a hell of a lot relative to what's spent on so rare football. So, I mean, to get clouded and act like the ETH's everything's a bit mad. But equally, I think if you're, you have to be given out something other than more cards is what I'm, I think. And I don't know what it is then. Is it experiences? It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I agree with you that the ETH payouts are kind of, well, they're not nominal because they're still substantial, but compared to how much you're paying for your cards, mm. there, there's no real correlation there. Um, yeah, and I get, the, I get the Ponzi scheme aspect if the cards don't have inherent value. Um, but even if they, they do have inherent value, do they have enough value to, to justify um, really paying that half for them? You should be paying a lot less for the cards in order to win you know, a, a collectible card. Mm. Um, yeah, I've, you know, my, my mind about the, the payouts is that they need to go up at some point for it to be viable. Because, you know, if you have a million odd users, you know, you can't get away with the same payout as you've got at the moment. So, and one thing I haven't seen with the explosion of people coming on board is a kind of real uptick in the amount of payouts or even kind of paying out to fifth or paying out ETH to, to 10th place or whatever. It seems very much centered around, it's, it's, it's been kind of the same for, since I've been on the platform, mm. since they did dynamic rewards, the actual payouts. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that works, you know, and whether that's enough to entice people to get involved in the actual gameplay or whether people just buy those cards as collectibles. Mm. Because it's a lot of work to actually play the games. I imagine it'd be a lot of work to play MLB in view. You have to put in the time equity mm. to, and it has to be worth your while to play the game. Yeah. Um, all you're doing is winning more cards to spend more time playing the game. It's like, well, what's the point? The, the other side of it is, I suppose, the game, like the fun, the entertainment value yeah. that'll come out of that. And that's something that's maybe been missed here. And I, I just want to reiterate, I know I have a podcast here and people are listening and I throw out the word Ponzi about something, anything related with Zora. It's a little bit close to the bone. I don't have a clue what a Ponzi really is when you get down to it. I just know that cards have been cards have been cards seems a little bit off in my mind, in my gut. And it would put me off personally. Maybe Ponzi is the wrong word. But in terms of like the entertainment value, I can't go understated. You know, people piss money away into FIFA every year and restart the game each year and they lose all their progress. I mean, will people just play so rare for the fantasy aspect as 8 million people start playing FPL every year, albeit a lot of them drop off? How many million are actually active? But will they play so rare just as a game that is enjoyed um, with, you know, you get involved in the limiteds, um, hundred quid, couple hundred quid, and then through that you can grow over years. I mean, yes, the entertainment value needs considered. So that that is another variable that maybe I didn't bring yeah. into the initial I, I think, kind of speed. I think from my, yeah, I think from my because obviously I, I I play uniques and I think uniques and stuff like that. So you know, there then becomes a dis, there's no incentive to go beyond limited or the lowest level. I guess would mm. be my my take on it. What's the incentive to go above yeah. that? All you're doing is winning cards, or you're not kind of winning. Anything that, yeah. So that's well, that would be my take. Yeah, I would yeah. absolutely say for the playability, you play at the lowest level and just enjoy yourself. Yeah, um, and then you could play against more people, whatever. But in terms of incentives to go up, you kind of need to give. They need to be properly properly aligned, and and I think kind of finding that balance is important. Mm. And like I say, it might not just be money; it might be experiences, it might be access to, to players or whatever. It could be something other than financial, um, but I think it does need to be. It does need to be something more. 
Uh, and then there's opportunity because you've got these relationships, right? So there's the opportunity to do it, you'd imagine. Mm. I want to give a quick shout out um, to a piece of content I watched this week that I really enjoyed. And I'm trying to work out where it is. Um, basically, yeah, there it is. It's on Quinny's channel um, from two days ago. We talked to Lerdino, who I, I like as well. I like them both a lot. So maybe I'm biased. But the, the videos along the lines of vertical stack, and I just want to throw this concept to you. Um, yeah. They called it vertical stack, and I don't know if it's something you've ever considered. I don't know if you watched the video. I don't know if that says anything to you. But it's basically the idea that across the scarcities, as you say, you play everywhere. Mm. Is something you take into account your time, and therefore in your limiteds run the same teams as you run in rares to run the same teams at super to run the same team at unique, where you know it's almost like the YNWA is the the person who jumps to my mind where he just follows Liverpool, and I'm sure you know I know he has other cards, but like a huge percentage of his gallery. He knows the Liverpool team news. He knows who's likely to be rotated. He knows who's suspended and injured. And he stacks them across unique, super rare, rare divisions. And there's a lot, just that concept. And I know it's a bit of like a, a wheel thing or anyone who's kind of invested in the game and playing sort of up to super rare. But that kind of time and value in your time of following the same players across different scarcities and then therefore you only have to research one card once not three cards three times or sorry you only have to research three cards one time as opposed to three cards three times you know what i mean for building yeah. lineups it's that time is that something you've considered um and just for everyone listening i would recommend they go and watch that video because i thought it was just an interesting conversation and that's something maybe i consider enough yeah i think you just need to say do you value your time or do you want to win Right, so yeah. if, you, if you want if you want to win, you play what what's best going to win, and that isn't necessarily vertical stacking. I think I, I do it. Yeah. I mean, I play my Mbappe in you know U twenty ones, and I play like Mbappe in uh, in Europe. I mean, I double up on him because he's the best player in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I will play Neymar with him. Um, I've got a super rare Neymar. I've got a rare Neymar that I'll play, you know, and I've got limited. Two limited Neymar's, two limited Mbappe's, or whatever. But I, it's because they're the best players, right? Yeah. If they, if they go out of form, I need to have other players that I can push in there because I want to win, mm. right? So it's it's less about kind of it's convenient for a period of time as long as those players are on form and they're playing well, you can put them in. But you also need to take the time not to play them when it's not mm. efficient to play them, or you're not likely to win by playing them. I think if you think about trying to save your time, then you can end up making decisions that around your gallery as well that just don't um, give you the best op- the best opportunity to win. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is, you know, digging in and making sure that, well, is he playing this week? Is he suspended? Is he injured? Is he like to be rested? Blah, blah, blah. Going through all that laborious crap stuff because one mm. DMP can mean that you're not winning with whoever else is in your team. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I, I try not to, to think about, stuff which will make me lazy because you don't win by being lazy you, you win by grafting you know yeah. it, and like people think that you just buy the you just buy the top cards and you just play you know you, you make sure that your players are playing you make sure that is this the optimal lineup and mm. you make sure is this affordable Can I, you know you you do the work because like i'm i mean people think i'm a whale i'm, I'm not really a, a whale you know i'm not going to spend any money on any card um so even when i'm auctioning for cards i'm trying to find the value and i'm trying to find a card that can do a job and like obviously my approach is to buy to have a breadth of gallery that will allow me to play mm. any competition and to play players that are informed and to drop players that are not informed you know and, and that's an important part of it as well 
Because I think the idea of it or like the the concept in in theory is nice, right? But I think it only works if you've essentially an unlimited budget because then you go into your limited and you build your Haaland, Mbappe, Chimeni, uh, Upamecano, Donnarumma, whatever stack. And then you do that at Rare and you do that at Super and you do that at Unique. But you do that because arguably, whatever about the guys, but arguably it's the best team to run in under 23 so you but that's not feasible it might be feasible like for me i that's what i run in limited under 23 but in rare while i can afford a few of those players i can't afford them all and then once i get to super rare there's not a mission i'm buying all those players (laughs) so then i need to start getting creative but then if i get creative at the super rare let's say i stretch to unique someday and I'm running a team and it's a bunch of weird little niche players who can combine on a week for me, a weird little stack or something. And that unique team cost me 15 ETH, right? And 15, 20 ETH. And I'm like, okay, but that mightn't be the optimal team for me to play at limited because I th- that team at limited might cost me 200 quid and I can afford to run a three grand team. Do you know what I mean? So I think in yeah. theory it works if budget isn't an option. I like the idea of the conversation and I do like the incorpor- incorporating parts of it. Like if there's a player who you love and follow every week and they're good, why not stack them across multiple things? Because it will save you time. And it is like I have a super rare Jonathan David and a rare Jonathan David. And it is nice that I know, okay, he's not injured. He's playing, albeit he doesn't score much. But like, you know, I can put him in and then I just pump them in the other lineup and the research is done and it's nice but as you say maybe it's not optimal because yeah. where you're saving something you're giving something up yeah i think i think you nailed it like you to win limited there's a lot more people playing mm. and you have it's affordable to buy the best well I say it's affordable it's a lot more affordable than super S to buy the best players um so and you're very likely to win with the best squad of players whereas i don't need as good a squad of players to win unique Mm. I just need to be tactical and strategic about who I go for um, and who's going to give me the best bang for my buck. And and that's the way I look at it. And, but obviously to even play uniques, you need to be willing to put in a lot of money first off. Mm. But that's why I'd say, but even you are willing to put in a lot of money bang for your buck. That's why when I look at, you know, Haaland going for like 250 ETH, I'm like, well, you know, I could put together a whole squad of uniques for that price and mm. I'll get a lot more bang for my buck for me. But then that's, I would only buy pay that money for collectability and then that's the gamble you play. But but yeah, so I, I think it's like you, you bang for your buck because you're only competing against 30 odd people. You, you need to bear that in mind that you don't necessarily need the best players. You need a good blend of players that can do enough to win. Um, yeah. Whereas down the bottom, you do need the best players or at least players that can hit hundreds or seventies or eighties or eighties and above regularly. Um, but again, you're never going to get one player that can do that for a whole season. Um, mm. you just need a group of players that you can pick from and then pick the right ones that can do it at any given time. Um, and that's where the game becomes a lot, a lot more expensive than it seems on the surface. If you mm. really want to compete and really want to win. I'm going to move us on to questions from the community, okay? Because we're getting towards the end of the podcast and we haven't really answered. We've answered a lot of them indirectly, but I want to ask a couple of them directly and then we'll play. I didn't actually brief you on this. At the very end, I'm going to ask you to pick two players that you think can combine, or as many players as you want, uh, to combine for a score of 137 points this weekend. 
Um, this podcast is powered by 1.37pm, so it's the one thirty-seven game. I'll explain the rules when we get there, but uh, we'll do a couple of quick questions first. The first one's actually from fellow whale, YNWA. Um, okay. Do you think it's best to display your immediate reaction to so rare changes in a professional manner using appropriate channels or by taking to social media and throwing your toys out of the pram? It's not directed <laughs> at you, it's just a general question. Uh, it sounds like a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it sounds like it's not pointed at you, but it's pointed at someone. I hope it's yeah, not I me. Know. I don't know if I'm involved in internet politics. It sounds like yeah. internet politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, I think, look, look, just express yourself how you want to express yourself. I think this is just the way people are nowadays. Um, however, I think if you... If, if you, if, if I'm supposed to answer this seriously, if you do have um, skin in the game and a lot of skin in the game, I think you do need to be um, careful with how you express your opinions because ultimately it's going to affect your investment. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't particularly get involved in social media back and forth because I think that's, it's not social media, it's anti-social media a lot of the times, unless yeah. you're doing something positive. You know, a lot of things people will say to you over the internet that, you know, let's just talk face to face and have a proper, yeah. proper, proper conversation, mate. That's why I, I swear to God, I don't get involved in like long <laughs> essays. I just yeah. like being a come on, come on a podcast with me. Then this is a complete tangent, right? But just as a little anecdote, right? I it's the so ironic. I go to like socialization classes with my dog. So I bring my little dog, right? Who's a wee border collie. He doesn't yeah. like he doesn't necessarily love every other dog, and it's a bit it's a bit much, you know, when you're out for a walk. And it's grand with me, but he's a big enough boy. And if my girlfriend's bringing him out, and there's another dog. You can get yourself into some situations if he's aggressive. So we're trying to make him a nice, friendly boy again. Um, so we go to these socialization classes on Sunday, and basically you go in and you walk around in a circle for an hour, and your dog gets let off the lead, and he goes and plays with other dogs and whatever else. But the irony of it comes in that for me, it's like an anti-social class, where like if I go out to the pub and meet a bunch of guys who are into so rare football, or if I go to play football, if I go here, I go there, I go out for pints to play golf, I go, do you know, with people that I know, I can just converse with or go on a stag or whatever. You have something in common, that's fine. But you see, walking in circles with like tw- twelve randomers who are yeah. from all sort of different walks of life, middle-aged, older ladies who just want small talk. It's like, for me, it's actually an anti-social class because I, I actively avoid people for like 45 minutes. The only thing in my mind is not being too close to someone to the point that they feel they have to say something. So yeah. like, you know, if like if I get too close to someone, I like cut across the hall to get to like a free space. I'm like, for me, it's like avoid people for an hour. It's like, you know, and he's off having a ball sniffing hoops of other dogs. But um Anyway, yeah, we've answered YNWA's question. We'll take one or two more and then we'll do the 137 game. Jay Fraz, how do you think SoRare will evolve to reduce the fear factor for new users with the link to cryptocurrency given its recent volatility? So yeah, I suppose that's a, that's a good conversation. Crypto is obviously very volatile. There's a bit of a crash um, or a bit of a dip, I suppose, maybe at the minute. You know, people look at SoRare as this double bet on both crypto and NFTs. Um, and a new platform and whatever else. How do you view that whole... If I throw that at you, what do you say back to me? I don't know if it's a bet on cryptos. Um, I feel I th- like you're a step displaced, personally. I feel like if you have so rare cards, the thing I keep saying is a card's worth what a card's worth. And yes, while the, the price of ETH can affect that short term, if ETH halves in price, I'll just charge you double the ETH for my card. In theory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just need to know what you value. Let's say if you have, if you see no value in crypto whatsoever, 
but you really love the idea of Sobre, then you just understand how much of your local currency you're putting on the platform, um, how much you're buying each of those cards in your local currency for. And then when you sell them, make sure that you get the profit that you want in your local currency. And all ETH is is just your converter. And then when you think about blockchain, you think, well, if if SoRare implodes, I can take my cards and put them somewhere where they're nice and safe and I can only only I can access them. You know, and that's to me, that's the long and short you really need to understand about crypto if you are only into so rare and you are into and you just want to keep it all in cash. Um, you might need to be concerned, you might need to think about how much it's going up and down if you want to hold an ETH balance um, for any particular moment in time. And, and that's just a case of looking at the price and understanding, you know, is it going up? Is it going down? But but beyond that, I don't, again, it's hard for me to talk because I am deeply immersed in crypto. So mm. that's how I would advise somebody who was concerned about the volatility. It's like, well, I'm not going to, like you said, I'm not going to sell my card for below this price in my local currency, come what may. Mm. And then you just need to just, you need to determine whether you're getting value for money when you buy it, right? So if you're paying 500 uh, pounds for something is it worth 500 pounds to you um do you think it's worth that 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 amount mm. um and that's only a question that you can you can answer um so yeah I, I, that's, I think you just need to simplify it as much as you can if you don't want to get involved in crypto but if you do want to get involved in crypto that's a different conversation mm. very good we'll ask one more um and you yeah just I'm thinking of your conscious of your time. Marco Sullivan, did you invest old ETH into SoRare or fate directly into SoRare? Yeah, so that was, again, that was, that was of, ETH. So, yeah. was ETH. so if you remember, I joined, you know, when everything was booming and, and uh, the crypto markets were, were exploding. And, and generally, I have a, an approach to how I take profits in my crypto. Um, so obviously, I took profits as stuff was going up. And then I had an ETH balance and um, I, I've got a mixed relationship with ETH and I don't know how much people care to go into that, but you know, <laughs> I've got a mixed relationship with ETH, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, so I had a decision to make whether I sit on my ETH bag until it kind of doubles in price and I take more profits or whether I do something else with that ETH. And, you know, uh, so rare came along. And as you say, I, I got, as I said, I got, caught by the SO5 bug. <laughs> and so it was, for me, it just made more sense to buy more SO5 cards because I believe in the uh, sports collectability market and I believe in the product and I actually do love the game. Um, like my love affair with fantasy football goes way, way, way back. Mm. So like just being able to press all my buttons is very difficult to do. And to mm. press all my buttons where I'll spend a lot of time on one project is very difficult for me to do. So if it does that, I'm, I'm not like a half-hearted person. You know, I, I will go in big and, and that's what I did. So I don't know if that, that answer was, it was it with, I guess the question was simple, like with ETH. Yes, it was ETH. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I put much actual fear in. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. That was his first question. His second one was, are you scared about so remove, removing ETH from the site or forcing all the users to be to use a USD stablecoin when they deposit into SoRare? No, no. I think it just comes back to that same conversation. Mm. You know, if I know I've paid this much ETH into it, um, I need to be happy that, you know, if I'm thinking in ETH, I just need to think, well, 
okay, well, I need to make sure I'm not selling it until I get this much ETH out. And whether that's a thousand dollars worth, whether that's a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars or whatever it is, you just made that conversion for yourself. So mm. yeah, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about it. And it might be better for the platform if we want to kind of onboard more people, if you keep it simple and just keep it in a single currency, which is relatively stable, that people can, um, can understand relatively easy and don't have to worry about the fluctuations. And it's just about the price of the cards then, as mm. opposed to what's happening with ETH and having to factor that in. For me, it's easy, but I can understand somebody who doesn't really deal yeah. with cryptos, how it can be a nightmare. This this is a really interesting question, um, and shout out to everyone else who submitted them, but I think we'll wrap up with this. Um, my From Kelvin, what's your pre-mortem on SoRare? So for anyone listening, what a pre-mortem means is basically where it's a managerial strategy, I had to Google this, in which a project <laughs> team imagines that a project or organization has failed and then works backward to determine what potentially could lead to the failure of the project or organization. So a pre-mortem, let's pretend SoRare's died, why, why do you think it's happened? Or, do you know, like, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make everyone panic. Yeah, uh, no, I'm making panic even more. I guess it could be for a number of reasons, right? Yeah. You know, and, and that's just reality. That's not, you know, that it could be like quite simply, you know, regulation comes in, it gets regulated to a point where, you know, people in different jurisdictions can't play the game. Mm. Um, it therefore becomes more niche and it it dies a death. Um, I think, again, and another one is their business model isn't sound. Um, so we don't know how much they're paying for licenses. They're paying too much for licenses. Um, their, their burn is too much. You know, they've mm. got too many staff members. Um, they're not making enough money. They oversupply. They put too much stuff. They put too many cards out everybody panics that their cars that they're holding is not going to be worth much. Um, mm. So they was trying to sell. Um, no one's buying. Um, it dies a death that way. The rewards are not worth it. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's lots that can be a pre, you know, it, there's lots of things that can happen. Um, and those are the risks you take when you get involved in the project. Yeah. I, I, I don't tend to, to do that too much because I kind of know that's inherent with it. And that's all yeah. goes not putting in more money than you can afford to lose or understanding the risk. Yeah. Um, not taking the amounts too seriously because at the end of the day, it's a very illiquid market. So even if you feel like you've got millions of dollars worth of value, you haven't because if you are desperate to sell it, you're not going to get that. Yeah. If somebody tries to buy it off you, you're probably going to want to charge double. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's like an illiquid market. You kind of just have to make, you know, if you want to take profits, you need to work out how you do that for yourself. Um, so yeah, I don't really tend to, to worry too much about what could happen in terms of so rare going bust because at the end of the day, I think the thing that comes back to, to me is you can always take your, your cards off. That's all I want to be able to take my cards off and hold them as collectibles. Mm. And then, and then you're looking for, have made those decisions where you've got your Mbappes or whatever it is that you feel can grow significantly in value in the long term to, you know, make your money back or, uh, and some or whatever. Mm. So that's kind of the way I'll, I'll look at it, kind of. Cool. 
Well, look, thanks for that. Thanks to everyone for the questions. Um, I just want to bump before we go into the 137 game, that London meetup, 5th of August. Please do actually reach out to me wherever um, if you're interested in going. I want to work out, work out how feasible it is, um, but I'm confident we'll make something happen. I just want, I, I have a proper event in mind, like a proper venue with proper bar and dedicated space. But if there's like four people going to turn up, I kind of need to know. Um, and also, please do subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find me and Nanzo on Twitter. The links will be in the description. But, Nanzo, before we leave, the 137 game is a game we play at the end of every show where your job, we've recently changed the rules, so I'm going to re-clarify them for everyone, including yourself. You can pick as many players as you want. The goal is to hit, no bonuses included. They don't have to be your own players. You can't pick legends. 137 points is your target. You can use two, three, four, five, ten players. Um, and how the game works from a, like, what's your incentive? So if you hit 137 points, charity's getting 50 quid. For every point you're away from 137, charity loses a euro. So, for example, if you hit 187, charity gets zero. So you're fighting for charity here. Last week's guest um, picked Buxa for 78, Gill for 90. It was PSU fans, which is a grand total of 168 points, which is a lot of points. 31 points over, which leaves 19 euro for charity. So there's 19 euro in the pot. Nanzo, let's see how you do. It's based on this game week, the weekend coming. Coming. Okay, so what we've got. Okay, seeing as um, we have a tight title race in Italy, I think it's better to go. And I've got Milan cards. I think it's yeah, yeah. Those. So I would go for Teo Hernandez and Rafael Liao. Oh. I think they can, between them, either one's going to hit big and one's mediocre, or the other hits big and the other's mediocre, or they can both do kind of pretty well. So I think they can. Yeah, of, I hear can do that. That could be, you know, that, that, that's a good strategy. People use that one. Uh, they also use the, the defensive stack aiming for like 260s and then whatever, but the, the kind of one boomer, 135er is, is generally a, a nice strategy too. So Teo Hernandez, Rafael Ai is who Nanzo Scoop has picked. Nanzo, is there anything you want to plug before you leave? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't really have anything to plug. Just going to plug away at the game. Yeah, cool. Yeah. If I do have anything to, club, to plug at some point, I'll, I'll come back to you good man well look it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much um, for joining us if everyone's enjoyed this please do uh, as I said subscribe to the the podcast and you can go back and binge some older episodes they aren't all necessarily outdated Um, Nanzo thanks a million you're welcome anytime Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. It was an absolute pleasure to pop Nanzo Scoop's so rare content cherry. Uh, Lovely to speak to him, lovely to meet him. If you enjoyed this, please do find us both on social media. On Twitter, he is at Nanzo, N-A-N-Z-O, Scoop. And I am John Nellis with an underscore. Uh, Please do subscribe and we'll chat to you next week. And if you enjoyed this, go back and binge last week's. uh, Still very relevant, all the conversation. Good luck this weekend in SO5. Bye-bye.